Hello, I hope you're enjoying the 2020 version of Ecumenical Matters. If you are, look out for Chatting Pictures podcast, recording with two Ecumenical Matters guests that are sitting right beside me. Say hello, guys. Hello. And what is Chatting Pictures podcast, Marty? Chatting Pictures is a chaotic journey through Irish cinema. Uh, a madcap recap of all the great movies of Irish cinema. What have we covered so far? Uh, we've covered, recently we just covered Michael Collins, we've done Grabbers, we've done Dario Gill and the Little People. Uh, many of those films do feature Father Ted actors, uh, which of course we will be uh, will be mentioning the, the podcast. So have a look for that, look for Chatting Pictures podcast or go to the website chatting.pictures, sponsored by hangsandwich.com. Hello and welcome to Ecumenical Matters, the Father Ted podcast. We are up to episode 5, sorry, excuse me, episode 25 this week. Uh, well, not really this week, we've sort of gone off the recording routine quite significantly. But we are up to episode 25 and we're reviewing A Christmassy Ted, the Father Ted Christmas special, which first aired on the 24th of December 1996. Uh, I am here with Colin Hazard, who joins us all the way from episode 2 and episode 6, was it? No, seven, uh, which was Hell episode, and what, and the Facebook episode live as well, the Facebook live episode. From Culture Night. From Culture Night, Indeed, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yes, we're getting, the, getting a friend of the show back, and also in the background, he might uh, contribute every so often, is Tech Ash, Ashley, Ashley Manners, and of course the two of them together make up the... Wild uh, Stallions. <laughs> <laughs> the Wild Stallions of the Belfast uh, spoken word rock scene, uh, Dirty Words. Uh, tell us a wee bit about that, lads. Um, and then Ashley on to that one. Uh, do you like poetry and rock music? <laughs> <laughs> Even if you don't, you might like the dirty words. Nice, nice. Do you like We've got poetry? Facebook and YouTube. Go <laughs> and have a look. Yeah, what is it? Facebook.com slash dirty yeah, words? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, but yes, and uh, yeah, so we're reviewing uh, A Christmas Head, the uh, Christmas special, which you probably will see on More 4 and Channel 4 and RTE and your local... Father Ted uh, broadcaster uh, in the run of the Christmas, so hopefully you can get a watch of that. Uh, but we'll start off by mentioning the fact that it's been a long while since we recorded our last episode, and there's only one word to describe what has happened since. Fuck! <laughs> what the, what well, the fuck <laughs> has happened? <laughs> Other swear words are available. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Donald Trump has actually been elected since we were last on air. Re- reactions. Uh, I was actually in America last week, and I was when I was having my breakfast in the hotel. I was looking at the TV, and there was stuff on the news about. I think he's just chosen as defense secretary, and the guy who he's picked, his nickname is Mad Dog. <laughs> <laughs> he is the dog, the big Mad Dog. But yeah, people in California are not. They're not happy. Not happy. Well, they're actually thinking of uh, seceding from the union. There's actually a do the way. Since Brexit, there's been a talk of Northern Ireland going back to the Republic. California apparently is thinking of breaking off from the United States. I couldn't possibly comment about uh, about the island, uh, the island of Ireland. What I call? Pass the microphone back to the person who was born on the island. Yeah, yeah. You're allowed to say the offensive stuff about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, but yes, uh, just a few. Well, we, well, uh, I haven't finished my trumps thing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought I thought you, I thought you were right. for an answer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, please uh, enlighten us. Irres- irrespective of Trump winning the presidency, the most, the worst, the saddest thing for me was the fact that, for the race for the presidency, those were the two best candidates that the Democrats and the Republicans could have come up with, Trump and Clinton. That baffled me. And it didn't matter who was going to win. Trump was promising a lot, making a lot of promises that he was going to change this and change that. And um, was it wash the swamp or drain the swamp, I think was the expression yeah. that he used. And he's putting his mates in place like Mad Dog and like people, um, former bankers who had lost millions and billions of pounds. And the swamp is even worse. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think that it was the best candidate that Democrats could have come up with. I think Bernie was quite clearly the best candidate. Mm. And I said at the time, if Hillary doesn't release those emails before the primaries election, she's going to lose the election because they're going to come out in October and it's going to fuck everything up for her. I really hate being right, but it's becoming increasingly... Uh, you always are. I always am. <laughs> Fucking people, genius maker. People have not. People just saw him as the, as the antithesis of quote-unquote Washington. Yeah. Where she, she was Washington born and bred. She worked in there for years and years. Whereas he was the you know, the, the challenger, the, the almost like the revolution, the alternative. Whereas he was sort of the outsider because he was from New York rather than Washington. And people weren't voting necessarily for Trump, but just for anybody but Hillary. But Hillary. Yeah. Well, do you remember? Uh, do you remember Die Hard Three? There was like a, one of the riddles was what is twenty one out of forty two, and they didn't figure out what the riddle was about until uh, uh, John McClane's driving down the road and somebody cuts him off. He goes, "Who do you think you are, Hillary Clinton?" And then Samuel Jackson goes, "That's it, the forty second president." He's like, "No, she's the forty third president." So. Because she's been fucking, you know, this is supposed to be a coronation that's been waiting for 20 years that Hillary's going to be the president. And uh, I think that put a lot of people off because if you're so determined for 20 years to get that job, it's exactly the kind of person you don't want in the job as the most powerful person in the world. That's my opinion, anyway. But anyway. Interesting Die Hard 3. That's my favourite Die Hard. And really? It's also, do you remember the scene in the park where they had to fill the water canisters up? Yes, yeah. Sometimes I just sit and work that out, you know, if I'm bored and work. Not that I get bored and work. It, t- it took me ages to figure out why that was. Mm. Because they skipped one of the vital steps. So they go, here we've got four gallons in this jug. It's like they didn't tell you how they got four gallons because that's the key to it. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so three gallon, five gallon jug. Now every few years, you know, I've forgotten my answer. I try and work it out again. Yeah. Well, so what you do is... It keeps the mind active, actually, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should do a diehard podcast after this. Yeah, we could. Well, uh, there won't be many episodes. We could do a crossover. Yeah. We could do a crossover. Quota Recall. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, Quota yeah, Recall are uh, produced by an old friend of Ashes. Yeah, they seem to have uh, much better microphones. It, well, yeah, I'm probably. blaming the production on this because uh, Mac I forgot his microphone. And uh, I forgot to also put my phone to silent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The squeaky chairs and the. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's a homemade aesthetic that makes yeah. ecumenical matters so unique in the <laughs> podcasting realm. <laughs> Uh, but I do want to bring back to Ecumenical Matters news. Uh, we we have been following, we have been trying to determine the top five uh, episodes of Fired Head, which we will reveal in the new year in our wrap-up episode, which will be in January at some point. But you know, the, Can you still vote on that? I was going to say, the votes are still open, and they will be open until the 6th of January. Uh, we do have a front-runner, uh, and we do have a few surprises. I won't tell them, because uh, when you vote, you get to see who's who's in charge or who's, who's up front. Uh it's a bit of a two horse race at the minute and I was surprised who the two two front runners are but what wasn't surprising was that uh, or sorry what was surprising is that I didn't have Father Stone which was episode two and nobody has mentioned it 
in the whole time we've been voting. We've got 148 votes so far, nobody has commented we haven't had Father Stone, so maybe it's not as popular as I thought it was. Uh, it's Graham and Arthur's favourite episode, so they can shove it, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> nobody, nobody's voted for it, to me? Is that what no, nobody's complained that it's not on the not on the shortlist. Oh, okay. Uh, a lot, we've had a lot of complaints that <laughs> no flight, uh, flight into terror wasn't in the shortlist, uh, that's, including that's my favorite. from you. I think that's my favourite one. Uh, the flight into terror. Yeah. Uh, Even just for Graham and him uh, standing up and saying, you know, we're not just all have a nice pray. Maybe God will help us. <laughs> yeah. Or a priest like heads down. Oh. I well, that was brilliant when I was little. Well, uh, there was a user on Reddit uh, called Johnny Enzyme who went to, who did a beautiful. Uh, a beautiful diatribe of why we should have included it uh, I'm going to record it uh, post this and I'm going to put it on the end of the podcast so thanks very much to Johnny Enzyme for those comments which you'll hear at the end of the podcast did you add the flight into terror into the vote or is it well I couldn't because <laughs> I mean I could have but it would have skewed the vote a wee bit yeah uh, and it was it was episodes that we had nominated at the time of the podcast so it doesn't matter who you vote for really Maka's decision is final well exactly yeah <laughs> If you want to make your own Feathered podcast, be my guest. Make your own uh, American election joke then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you go to, uh, if you follow me, James I. McInesby on Twitter, uh, or go to the Ecumenical Matters Facebook page, facebook.com slash ecumenical matters, you will see links to the uh, to the vote. It's a, a strawpoll.me uh, vote, uh, and that closes on January the 6th, 2017. So get, in, get involved, get your vote, uh, make a count, and see if we can get over 200 votes for this. And be, I think that would be, uh, that would make it legitimate. That would make it a good, a good, uh, sizable, what do you call it? Sample yeah. of Father Ted. Make it official. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but let's get into it. So, as I said, this was recorded on Christmas Eve, nineteen ninety six. Uh, does anyone want to guess what the Christmas number one was that year, in both Ireland and Britain? Ninety six. I can't believe it was that. I thought it was much later in the nineties. Uh, no, well, the first season was ninety five. The second season was ninety six, and this was only about uh, six months later. And then it didn't have the third season until '98, so there's a big gap. What age were you, Ash, in '96? Christmas. Um, nine. Nine. Was Paul McCartney by any chance? Uh, no. Is that way too late. Might as well. Why? What, what Paul McCartney song are you thinking of? He's got loads of Christmas songs. Yeah, <laughs> might have been one of the yeah. odds are like. <laughs> yeah, early eighties. '96 must have been. I want to say Westlife. No, you're a bit too early. A bit too early for Westlife. Bob the Builder is that too E17 still... you're a bit too late uh, it was actually Spice Girls their oh. first of three in a row I think two become one uh, but... June <laughs> <laughs> you know the dance <laughs> if two become one because the night is the night when two you put two fingers up and then <laughs> you say become one you put one finger up is that the dance yeah. he's, he's doing it it's not a visual it's not a visual yeah. thing uh, but yeah so we open with the man in black with a pint of the black stuff uh, which is obviously Ted drinking a pint of Guinness. You know, I've been doing a lot of thinking recently, and, well, I, I just don't think I'm cut out for the priesthood. I think it's time you and I faced facts. Father, you're one of the best priests in the country, if not the best. Sumter, Sumter, Sumter. Why are you running from this? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I... I suppose I do. I'll be off, then. <laughs> I said I'll... Yeah, I'll... bye. Yeah, bye. 
First actual Guinness we've seen in the series that I've that I've cracked, but it's it's a it's a Balakis Angel wet dream he's having basically. <laughs> uh, do you remember Balakis Angel? Mm, I remember it being on. I don't think I ever saw it. Uh, well, I never watched it, but it was like an absolute phenomenon. Do you remember it coming? I actually bought the DVD because somebody somebody recommended Balakis Angel to me. How funny it was! Right, and because my TV did, at that time didn't get RTE, I bought the DVD of the I think it was the first series. Right. And very disappointed. <laughs> well, yeah, it was. I mean, it was part of this sort of Ireland loving that Britain was going through in the late nineties, and uh, it was like a Catholic priest from England moved to a wee sleepy village in Wicklow or something. They were supposed to be, and uh, he was falling in love with local barmaid. From from what I can gather, like I said, I never watched it, but was yeah, it was filmed uh, in England though. I think no, I, I think it might have been to the place it was filmed. It was filmed in Ireland somewhere. Oh, it was oh, a BBC. Okay. Yeah, I haven't man. There's been some, some other. Country, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was hey, wait a minute. What are you talking about? Balikas Angel, yeah. I was thinking, I was talking about Killing a Scully. That was, that? I was, that was Pat Short's TV show, okay. No, I haven't seen, I haven't even heard of that. Killing a Scully, no, uh, don't bother, it's rubbish, really. Oh, gosh, right. Uh, no, Balikas Angel, no, I remember that. Um, the guy from Brass Dolph was in it, uh, possibly, yeah. This is a bit random facts, and facts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm to make sure we're chatting with the right yeah, show. Dirk yeah. Dirk Kerwin. Yes, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remembered, but I wouldn't say I was a fan. Have you told us the Christmas number one yet? Spice Girls. Oh, okay. One, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> uh, my brain's not really working. Uh, Ash is just back from uh, from LA and followed up with a uh, an all day Christmas party yesterday. So it's <laughs> <laughs> feeling a bit fragile as we come to his his home recording studio in uh, East Belfast. We decided to go on the road for this one. We go really, really out in the limb. Do you know he he normally shies away from interviews from getting going near the microphone. We're talking. I still. Yeah, he's, he's drunk today. So he's. Oh, so yes. Yeah, so he's <laughs> he's <laughs> grabbing the microphone off me. His, his defenses are down a bit. I'm right? not grabbing it. He's like right now. Colin's <laughs> holding it in front of my face. <laughs> do you not do your dirty words sort of PR uh, duties? Then, no. I let Colin speak. What what if Total Guitar came and wanted to specifically speak to you well then I'll then I'll talk okay so get Total Guitar because that, that's a really good way of getting your band famous quick get in Total Guitar <laughs> seriously <laughs> seriously there's young kids now desperate for a new guitar band don't you have to I mean you have to be famous don't you have to like be famous first or otherwise Total well, Guitar won't let you in surely no it, if you're to be on the cover you'd have to be already famous but like this is actually a guitar feature. magazine by the way because mm. that's probably quite an obscure uh, reference for anyone who doesn't guitar. play guitar yeah oh yeah well, yeah it's a guitar magazine I should have said yeah. that yeah uh, but they have little features in like half a page for the first like 10 or 12 pages of different guitar bands that are coming out yeah they used to always have like one riff maybe for yeah. the new bands and you could you'd kind of have a look at the riff and go like, oh maybe maybe they are good they, they are cool I can play this what riff would you would you put in Colin of ours yeah uh, I I like the death of me is a good riff. She always tried to coax me in the lights. My instinct said out there, you're a sitting duck sighted in a crosshair. Wait till next year, we've got some class riffs coming up. Yeah. Right now in post production, I'm putting the death of me underneath our voices, so uh, so the crowd can get a, get a free official sample. Mm -hmm. That was recorded in this room, was it? Yeah, nice. So this is this is rock and roll history now. I'll have to get a blue plaque 
on the wall. Yeah, just probably just print one of those off. Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so Ted, uh, Ted has, has, uh, he's having a bit of a wet dream about Dervla from Ballyfee's Angel. Unfortunately, Dougal wakes him up in a bit of a panic. <laughs> Ted, Ted, do you want to beat us? It's supposed to be the worst way. <laughs> I'm not going to really enjoy that bit. <laughs> uh, it must be the worst way to get uh, get woken from a, you know, from a dream where you're enjoying yourself like that. Unless you really want a peanut. Well, then, after what happened was uh, Ted tried to get back to sleep and he was being chased by peanuts. So, uh, <laughs> it went from very pleasant to very, uh, very, very uh, unpleasant dream very quickly. Remember, Dirk Kerman used to be in, uh, what's that show, that time traveling show? Good Night, Sweetheart. Was she in that, was she? <laughs> God, right? <laughs> that was a good, uh, possibly getting a bit of a Richard Herring crossover here as well. Yeah. He was always talking about Good Night, Sweetheart. Good Night, Sweetheart. I, yeah. used to, I used to love that show, especially when she was on. I don't remember her being. I did watch it every so often yeah, because she, she was a barmaid in the first in the old in the his past <laughs> in the past, yeah, yeah, back in the forties, fifties, yeah. uh, the warrior. Right, I remember that because I used to watch that because Del or not Delboy Rodney was there, mm. uh, so I'd watch it because no, I was her. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what, whatever his real name is. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so was, what was her major contribution to that? So she was, uh, she was a love interest from the forties. Yeah. yeah, she was the barmaid. And has she done any sense? Not for note that you can think of? Because she sort of like I'm trying. I'm trying to think. She in films or anything? And I can't. I can't picture in anything else. Uh, I think she took some time off to have a family. Right. Right. I Career, don't know. Career suicide. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So then we then we have uh, Ted. Well, we actually have a, a very Christmassy Christmas Christmas up Christmas up uh, by the Ted theme tune there. Uh, by getting all the classic Christmas elements like an extra tambourine and extra tubular bells, mm-hmm. can, uh, so dirty words Christmas special in the Christmas uh, edition. Maybe we could, we've got a tambourine in the corner and the guitar there, so maybe we could do a oh, Christmas yes. uh, lovely horse. At the end. Give us a few sleigh bells here. You just did. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Oh, here's Santa coming. Yeah. <laughs> Santa, I know him. He's on the roof. Strike <laughs> <laughs> it down the chimney, but it's all central heating. No. <laughs> <laughs> We have the old joke then of uh, Dougal, or Ted's trying to fix the Christmas lights, uh, and Dougal's like, he's sitting there. Hey, yeah, you got them, Ted? Oh, no, they're off again. Oh, you got them? You're off again. Uh, do you remember the amount of Christmas lights where you had to go through the entire line of them, of the bulbs, twisting each one to try and find out which one was the one that wasn't Remember them? I've still got them. The, the, old, the, the big, massive bulbs that are like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a bag of them in the car. I've got to get, get the Christmas tree up tonight. Oh, really? Nice, mm-hmm. right? And uh, the same Christmas tree you had last time, or is there any mm-hmm. additions? Or... Uh, yeah, and no, it's been the same tree for about 10 years now. Nice, nice. So it's artificial? No, it's real. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks pretty shit now. <laughs> it's, just, uh, it's just a bit of bare rotten wood. With, uh... I'm not Christmas I wouldn't even have a tree up, but I'm getting hassled to get the tree up. No, that's that's well, a yeah, good story. Catra has mentioned you're very un-Christmassy. Uh, is it... Uh, see, I'm not overly Christmassy anymore either. I seem to have lost my, my enthusiasm for Christmas. I know, don't get me wrong, I like Christmas, I like all the build-up to it, like the drinks, the nights out and so on. Yeah. I just looked at Ashley there, and actually thinking about it, I might stay off the drink. Yeah. <laughs> but just the day itself. It sort of drags on. Yeah. Could do without it. Well, see, we seem to be weirdos as a family, because we have our Christmas dinner at like 7pm. Like, that's, that'd be early for us. 
like because we're doing like all sorts of stuff during the day what and we, we never hmm? what kind of stuff well my parents go and see my gran uh, well my, my dad's family in Trillick and then that might take them to be Trillick Trillick yeah. where's that yeah it's the Trillick from on a border mm-hmm. just outside I've heard of it Trillick uh, yeah it's good provided two players to the Trillick and Gilly football team last year Trillick uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> 2015 Trillick Gilly senior football champions <laughs> Trillick 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 yeah is there anything else famous about Trillick I can't actually think no but uh, yeah so but we, we didn't turn the TV on at all during the course of the day like whereas everyone else is like they have their dinner at like 12 and then it's just sitting in front of the TV for the rest of the day and like BBC baby something for for the rest of Christmas <laughs> but like are pubs open or anything or not no not here no for a few hours aren't they well, in England they are in the afternoon and yeah they'll do like two or three hours during the day because I think it used to be kind of traditional that you know, you wake up and do the presents and stuff, and then all the men will go to the pub while, uh, you know, the women sort the dinner out. Yeah, <laughs> they got the turkey and everything started. Yeah, no, so, yeah, so you get to the point where you can't think what to do on Christmas Day, and you're like, oh, play with your new, new toys. Obviously, we don't open the presents till after the dinner, which might not be until like 11 o'clock or something. That's weirder than the having dinner at 7. Yeah, well, the dinner's... Seven is early, I'm saying, so it might be half eight or something. Or when you get your, so when do you get your presents? Like eleven at night. Well, between eleven and like one, two a.m. in the morning, while we're all absolutely stoches because most of the drinks handed around are just bottles, bottle shaped packets. <laughs> when you're kids, was that not a nightmare? Like trying to, you know, yeah. Because well, all your friends would be like out playing on their new bike or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> we're sitting there. Haven't even fucking opened the presents. Well, see, when we were kids, we got the Saturday presents obviously in the morning, so that would shut us up for a while. What what was your favorite Santa present? Um, I used to have a thing called. I think about them. I used to have a thing called a big red fun bus, which was like, <laughs> so like this. It's not it's not what you think. <laughs> well, it, it it pretty much is. It's a it's a big red bus that was quite fun to play with because it had all these like little figurines and stuff and. Uh, it, was, it was one of about four or five but apparently I was asking her for years and then I finally got it and stopped playing with it for six months so there you go have you still got it? I don't I can't find it anywhere uh, and we have moved out of that house since so it would have been found somewhere in the course of the move but uh, yeah so two Dougal's opening an advent calendar another Christmas tradition which I've never really gotten to uh, but he keeps uh, trying to guess what will be the next picture uh, and one of his guesses is uh, well he sees it's, it's a it's a stable and he says oh I would never have guessed that and Ted says well it's hardly going to be Rue Tullet sitting on, on a shed which is what he thought it would might be the day before <laughs> so uh, or uh, a pair or what Jack thought it might be uh, a pair of fecking women's knickers <laughs> so it wasn't going to be any of those two I wouldn't have thought but uh, they, do, they do like their, their football uh, their, their football players from the late 90s so that would have been when Chelsea I think that would have been when Rue Tullet was playing for Chelsea mm. when he had his short dreads That's, that would be true yeah the yeah. hero Dennis Wise and God, I should remember that team. Ed De, Ed De Hoy, the team was the goalkeeper. That's a random oh, one. Yeah, right. that, yeah, it was actually, yeah. Uh, I think it would have been before Vialli and mm, Zola. Mm. But that was like when Chelsea really started going on the map. Before that, they were just hooligans uh, who played a bit of football. <laughs> Whereas then became a bit more cosmopolitan and a flair, flair, flair team. Well, I don't want to make this podcast about about football because that's not what we're here but they got they got in trouble didn't they in Paris a couple of years ago for the, the yes, Olympics yeah. some of the fans but uh, well I have, I have mentioned Chelsea and how much I hate them 
and their and their fans, okay, their yeah. fan base. Yeah, they're just yeah, they're not they're just arseholes most of them. Mm-hmm. I do I do one, one like a good friend of mine from uni is a Chelsea fan. He's sort of the antithesis of your cliche fan Chelsea fan, but yeah, for the most part. I saw a, I saw a banner that I think it was Arsenal fans that made it. It was a picture of John Terry. You know the the Chelsea thing is Terry captain leader legend. Yeah. It said Terry captain leader bell end. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's a bit, that's a bit uh, that's a bit rude for uh, Arsenal fans who are usually yeah. very. <laughs> it's not very subtle. Yeah, exactly. Made me laugh. But we have a, a running ga- a running joke of Mrs. Doyle falling off the windowsill throughout this episode, uh, and it is actually quite a famous image in the history of Father's Head of uh, Mrs. Doyle, and she doesn't actually do it that much outside of this episode that I can think of. Uh, you know, it's, it's we have mentioned it before. Uh, she has done it once before, but this was like. They just really hammered it home. So did it, she fell off three times, and the three fourth times, time yeah. is when they tied her up to the harness, so she could just glide off. Ah, okay. Yes, and that was, uh, that was Mrs. Doyle's Christmas present. We'll get to that. Uh, and Dougal is reading Shoot, and Ted's in the middle of an existential crisis, and Ted, Ted <laughs> asks him, well, I don't know, I'm getting to that age now, and we're thinking, what's it all about? And Dougal just turns around and says, uh, well, it doesn't really have a story, it's, it's mostly about fall. <laughs> <laughs> Dougal's just not quite on the same wavelength uh, but uh, Ted, Ted's having a pretty serious uh, ex- existential crisis he, he says he's on a one way ticket to Palookaville where he's still, all he has to do is you know try and help his prisoners and uh, it doesn't seem to be any, any way out for him is that the exact quote he used? it is yes do you recognise it? because uh, I, I didn't until I was on the MDB trivia page I want to say that Brando used it he did, yes. And on the waterfront? He did, yes. Oh, yes, very good. Yeah. That's honestly with no research at all. It is very, very good. Yeah. Only, what I picked up from it is there's a, a Joe Lindsay, a local DJ in Belfast, yeah. uh, used to do a night called Palookaville, and I never mm. realised it was a reference to anything, so it must be on the waterfront, but yeah, very good. And I've watched on the waterfront very recently, and I didn't pick it up, so... How do you know that? I Like yourself, I watched it quite recently, and it must have been lodged in my subconscious somewhere, that... Yeah. yeah, I knew it was Brando. I just I uh, wasn't sure if it was on the waterfront. So I didn't even pick up it was a, a quote at all. Only that I had seen the the MVB, So there you go. Because the famous the famous quote from that film, of course, is you know uh, I could have been it someone. Could've I could have been. been a contender. Yeah, yeah. It was you, Charlie? I could have had. I could have had class. Said I'm a bum. Is what I am. <laughs> Resonates <laughs> with me. Yeah. Well, that film is it's actually quite controversial because it's supposed to be you know. You should always you should always rat on your friends. Basically, is that is that the message you're supposed to take from that film? You, you should be the one like and basically it was a, a propaganda about you know the anti <clears throat> the anti communist thing that was happening at the time. I I I can't figure out which side it was supposed to be happening. So there was the communist blacklist in Hollywood mm. where basically Joe McCarthy or Joe McCarthy was saying right I've got a lot of card carrying members of the communist party and if they and we're not allowing them to work anymore. So a lot of these screenwriters and actors and all got blacklisted and they couldn't get work because people just assumed they were communists. And this film came right, right in the middle of it. Like, even though I watched it, I couldn't figure out which side it was supposed to be falling on this side of. Mm. That's kind of probably the, the point of the film. It's up to the, the viewer to make their own minds up. What yeah. was right and what was wrong. You know, stand up for his beliefs. Or just... By stand up for... Or, you know, stay with the gang and not tell the police not tell the authorities about what happened to the guy that was murdered because he was involved in it Brando I'm talking about and then he's got the pressure from the father and the, the sister who he's fallen fallen for has fallen for him and yeah it's a brilliant film yeah 
Very good, very good. But in those days, you know, of course, they couldn't rely on the effects they had to make the story good. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then Brando was such a good actor, anyway. Well, that was sort of his breakout, wasn't it? Into mm-hmm. like, superstardom. Because he had he had actually been in films before, but that was the one that sort of everyone sort of picked up on mm-hmm. before he went a bit uh, egotistical and, <laughs> and, and ruined his career. This has been kind of like a Brando year for me because this is the first first time I ever watched On the Waterfront was this year and also Godfather the whole trilogy never saw it before till this year would you believe really mm. had you seen any of seen I hadn't seen no I'd, I'd seen kind of bits and pieces here and there if it was on you know film 4 or whatever but I never sat down and watched it it, it requires an investment in that you have mm. to invest like three and a half hours to sit down and watch it you can't watch it in bitty pieces mm. and I do remember the first one uh, I haven't seen it in years but like the first 45 minutes are just god awfully boring yeah, yeah, the wedding. The wedding. Like, we get the picture. Is it a mob wedding? Mm. <laughs> you know, get to the, get to the rest of it. On this the day of my daughter's wedding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I did, I did an impression of uh, Martin Brando, which Ash would have seen uh, at the uh, at a murder mystery night recently. Maybe we will get him to chat about it if he comes back up in the next few minutes. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, the third one. What do you think of it? Was it as bad as everyone makes out? Have you not seen it? I have actually. I've seen. Well, I haven't seen it twice. I've seen. I've seen uh, it twice. Yeah, it wasn't great. Well, the whole kissing cousin thing. It was a bit. It was just odd, wasn't it? Do you remember the murder mystery that I was performing at? Uh, the gangster yeah. one. Yeah. Well, it was only a few weeks ago. It would be quite bad if I forgot. Mm. It was oh, a few months ago at this point. Though, wasn't was it? it? Yeah. It was back in October, wasn't it? You're right. And uh, yeah, I was, we were chatting about the Godfather, and I was doing an impression of the Godfather. Did you do your impression? It was, it was good. Yeah. Well, I didn't do an impression on the mic, should I? Yeah, go on. What, what was my line? Yeah. <laughs> what a pro. There's <laughs> been a murder. I do. I do. Fuck, what, what is that? It's a lot better if you can see his face. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Groovia Comedy Club. Gabaret Club. Yeah, forget it. But uh, Colin saw me in a sketch show the other night as well, if you want to mention how, how great I was. <laughs> I'm great. That's why I should get the parachute. In fact, I should get both parachutes because I'm that great. Mm. Uh, no, it was rubbish. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, thanks. No, no, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Uh, yeah, it was very good. No, it was the, the four Panto Horsemen of the Apocalypse. That's right. The yeah. show was called from the Splinter Cell group. The Splinter Cell. It's a new comedy troupe, and hopefully, we'll get a bit more uh, a bit more uh, performances out of. So, hopefully, if you're in Belfast, keep an eye for that. Yeah, no, I did. I love the concept of the. I mean, there was four horsemen, or. I can I say there's three horsemen and one unicorn uh, so yeah. is that a big gag that <laughs> no spoilers yeah, <laughs> no, no. Uh, I don't think we'll be taking the horsemen out for another while so yeah. that's, that's okay <laughs> and then the four horsemen were famine, death war and conquest um, and conquest very good concept I really enjoyed the night now yeah thank you yeah. very funny yeah it was, a, it was a group effort by me and three people who else who also involved in the podcast so Dee Harvey and uh, Marin McGinty who, who took us through the final episode of Fatherhead and also David Doherty Jed, who was on the Pat Mustard episode of uh, the podcast. So we all grouped together and. Was that the big tall fella? That was, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, I didn't know it was him. Yeah, and uh, that was very good. And we also had uh, Neve. Uh, Neve. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we also had Neve in. <laughs> we can edit, edit that in post. Yeah. <laughs> we had Neve Neve. Neve, yeah. Uh, he came in to help us uh, to fill out a few sketches, and she was brilliant. So, yeah, thanks very much. And hopefully we get a few more of those. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. But uh, Ted, I, I just wonder. I started writing down all the names of priests that they came up with in this episode, and Jesus, it starts it starts hitting forty or fifty, uh, because we start off with the first two, and Ted gets a bit bitter about uh, some of the other priests and how much better they're doing than him. Uh, Father Les Vlahavin, 
uh, gets $50,000 a year plus 2,000 in tips. Uh, and we also have uh, Father Buzz Dolan in Canada. Uh, so that's the first two of, uh, if you include the 29 guesses that uh, Mrs. Doyle had for Todd Unctuous's name, uh, there's also the four in the uh, in the lingerie department. I mean, they're, they're, uh, they both come up with the names of random priests. <laughs> uh, I think I heard somewhere that it was, um, it was mostly Arthur that was doing the, or, or he was very good at doing the priest names anyway, so I think he came up with a good lot of them. It's just, uh, well, well, they are all, well, up until like the last five or six of Mrs. Doyle's, they are all like realistic sounding names. Well, bu- well, Buzz Dolan, I don't know how many people are called Buzz, but you know, Father Les Flavin, and uh, a few of Mrs. Doyle's, uh, a few of Mrs. Doyle's, Father Andy Riley, Father Kieran Donnelly, Father Mick McAvoy, Father Harry Big Biggie, and this is when she started going a bit, uh, a bit off with it. Father PB Stairmaster, <laughs> the mm-hmm. tight head, tight head lips. Jemima Rectool, Jerry Turig. It, it actually took me about fifteen minutes to actually write down everything she said in that, in that uh, clip. But uh, uh, Father Chewy Dewey, Father Rabula Penundrum. Yeah, just hundreds. I think at that point, uh, that mean Polly McLean improvising the names rather than uh, the scripts. I think they were just trying to fill up a bit of time uh, with the thing. But uh, yeah. They, they love their priest names, don't they? Do you want to hang on to that and I can use this one? Uh, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's microphones we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was, uh, was going to say something entirely inappropriate, but I couldn't, I couldn't think of anything funny. But, uh, <laughs> and Ted says he, he, wants to, he wants to have, if he was famous, you know, people would listen to him and he, he would have respect from people because he has a lot to say and if you're famous, people listen to what you have to say. And Ted reminds him, well, when you're on your pulpit every week, you have mm-hmm. you have lots of people listening to you, and they all respect what you have to say. And Ted just turns around and says, ah, no, I mean, people I respect. This <laughs> 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 is a great attitude to life. <laughs> one which I share myself. <laughs> I mean, I want, I, want to, I want to get famous, not like these fucking podcasts where I just have to, you know, <laughs> I want listeners like respect. <laughs> what would you say? What, what would you like to say if you were given your... Oh, God, I have so much to tell. <laughs> that was one thing. There's a chance. Right, marriage, right? What is the big fucking deal about marriage? <laughs> <laughs> it's turning into Seinfeld's uh, stand-up sketch in a second, isn't it? I say this having... What's the big deal about marriage? <laughs> I say this having congratulated uh, Colin's uh, engagement in the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, congratulations, Colin. I'm sure you'll have a wonderful life together. But <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, I'm not going to weigh into this debate it's not, it's not worth the ear I would get for any comment either way <laughs> um, but uh, there was a bit of a continuity um, thing on, uh, where they kept maintaining the continuity so uh, Dougal says he has to go feed Sampras do you remember who Sampras was? Sam- Sampras? yeah that's the tennis player well it was but what, who was it? was it a rabbit? Yeah, yeah, yes it rabbit. was it was uh, Dougal's rabbit that he got mm. that started scaring uh, Bishop Brennan <laughs> That whole connection between rabbits and tennis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. It's a, it's good, it's good serving them. Yeah. I should probably stop eating on the mic, shouldn't I? Yeah. <laughs> I'll wash my mouth out. We'll cut this bit out. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> I guarantee you'll forget to cut it out. Oh, and now it's just going to be noises. Well, what happened in the last episode is I'd spent hours editing a really, you know, really good episode with musical cues and everything. And uh, I'd done it like three days ahead of my own schedule. And then when it went to actually upload it, uh, I uploaded the wrong file. 
which is the original Raw 5, so that was a bit chip. So I <laughs> must know not to do that again. Classic Maka. Uh, so if, if you were listening and you did hear the Raw 5, <coughs> please take the time to listen to the edited file because A, it's a bit shorter, and B, you know, there's some nice edit- editing quirks that, uh, that add, uh, add to your listening experience. Uh, but uh, yeah, so if they find a baby on the doorstep in a story that goes absolutely nowhere, which was, uh, I think they were trying, they were trying to take the piss out of, uh, you know, the Christmas storylines. But you know, and wouldn't it be great if, if, if I just want a nice quiet Christmas where nothing actually happens, and then you get doorbell ring, and there's a baby on the doorstep, and you're immediately expecting that now he's gonna have to find whose parents are and what's happened with his baby and everything. Just oh, sorry, is this Mrs. Riley's house? Mm-hmm. Oh no, that's next door. <laughs> Uh, so it was a little, a little red herring I just uh, wanted to bring up that reminded me actually see I was working on Armagh this morning and was driving from Banbridge to Armagh to get there and it's old country kind of roads And but I came around the corner and I saw this house and there was like a nativity scene in the garden right. with proper four or five foot characters of you know, Jesus, license. Mary yeah, um, the donkey all the whole cast <laughs> like right in the middle the right whole, whole band was back together when they <laughs> Yeah, it was massive. I've Full never seen anything like it. Right in the middle of this person's garden. Just in somebody's house. Because I have seen I have seen life size ones outside churches and stuff. That was somebody's house. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. God, do you know who it was? Like was it somebody like that you would know was particularly religious or anything? Or was the address and everyone can go and have a look? It's I don't know I don't know the address. <laughs> if you could travel from Bamberg to Armagh through Tandragee, you'll see it. Right, right. Bizarre, Tandra. bizarre. But the thing was the only reason that drew my attention was because it was really bright colours. You know the way you think Joseph in the blue and the white? For some reason, he's yeah. always in blue and white. It was really bright blue, really eye-catching. Right, okay. Yeah. So I think uh, Jesus might have been yellow. <laughs> the baby Jesus was wearing yellow. Mm. No, the, Je- the baby. Right. The, the Jesus. <laughs> the, the Jesus. Mm. Was the three wise men there? Yeah, that's who the other people were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, see, I have a bone to pick with that. Apparently, the nativity scene is supposed to be when he's born, but we all mm. know the three wise men didn't, didn't clock in for you know, another 12 days. Mm-hmm. That's when the continent, quote-unquote, used to have Christmas, wasn't it? 6th of January? That's when Spain used to celebrate? Yeah, well, in in Serbia, they have it on like the 4th of January. Mm-hmm. So not even not even Epiphany, the 6th. So that, like, when was Jesus actually born? We don't have a fucking... Uh, we're all celebrating his birthday here and nobody actually can get a fucking, you know, consistent word on the, what the date was. Well, it changed as well when the calendar updated too. Yeah. From the Augustine to the Julian, but that's a different story. It's almost like someone's just made it all up. <laughs> yeah, you'd think that, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you ever go to Christmas pass? Yeah. Do you? Like often or? Uh, we haven't. I haven't for a few years, but we used to always, like, if we're in, if we're back in England for Christmas, we will. Right. Uh, the midnight mass or the Christmas day mass. Um. It depends. I think it used to be the night. I think it was Christmas Eve because you know it kind of spoils Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> but they used to have a midnight mass. I think they had to stop doing midnight mass because drunks kept showing up. Is that why they? Yeah, because we used to have midnight mass actually at midnight uh, on Christmas Eve. Yeah, but the pubs. When did the pubs used to close? Like eleven ish, maybe. Well, see, this would have been fitting. So you know, the closing times were uh, were very loosely, <laughs> loosely sort of upheld. Uh, but I never noticed drunk people necessarily but they kept moving it back so it was midnight and then it became 10pm then it became 9pm then it just became 6pm and that was midnight mass so I was like well the whole fun of it was you know going staying up past midnight when you were a kid on Christmas Eve on Christmas Eve yeah. Yeah. but uh, yeah no I haven't been absolutely years 
I used to be in the pub and we used to wait for the friends coming in from midnight mass. Really? Yeah. Mm. Were they watching out for Santa in the ring on past? <laughs> I think we all were. Yeah. <laughs> were you one of the drunks that had to that had to ruin ISIS or something? <laughs> I was never actually at one that was ruined. That's just what I was told. Well, right enough in in Finland Chapel. It's actually it's actually a beautiful chapel for such a small town, but it has like a gallery section, as in like it has an upstairs section. That's sort of uh, it's it's not a separate room. Like it's open plan that you can see the altar from, and up at the back two rows, like even just regular Sunday mass, everyone would come in. They're hanging hanging from the night before, and they're just all set up at the back and just chat about what they got up to, <laughs> and uh, you know. It got to the point where they were getting so loud that the priest had to put like fucking police tape almost or you know the equivalent of do not enter <laughs> over the back three rows of the galleries just to stop them all sitting beside each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, that was the adventures of Finland Chapel. The, the true meaning of Christmas eh? Exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, Mrs Doyle, uh, they're on the mainland and they're doing their shopping in what appears to be a dunce doors. Mrs Doyle is getting a full pitch about the tea master. Simple flick of a switch and you can access coffee, hot chocolate or Horlicks. Yes, Tea Master really takes the misery out of making tea. Well, what do you think? Maybe I like the misery. And she doesn't seem to be buying it. Uh, some people like the misery. <laughs> <laughs> it was a horrible, horrible uh, machine, though, wasn't it? Like, the, you have a coffee machine downstairs. Do you, do you use it that much? A coffee machine? No. I, I don't really drink a lot of coffee, but uh, Leanne uses it quite a lot, yeah. And see, See, back uh, nowadays, that would be the present would be a coffee making machine. Nobody, nobody's perfected a tea making machine yet, have they? I suppose it's not that much hassle. Exactly, exactly. And it is actually quite, you know, stress relieving making a cup of tea, isn't it? Putting, you know, taking your five minutes out of your work day or whatever it is you're doing. Just right, this is my tea time now. This is, this is the time just to fucking turn my head off for five minutes. I just made three and I was having a lovely time. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Ever then solve with a cup of tea? Well, exactly, yeah. yeah. You see these ads nowadays. I, mean, I remember, uh, is this like instant boiled kettle? Where, you know, you literally press a button and hot water is straight out. Mm, that's good. Well, it just means, you know, if you go get up off your desk to make your tea, you're not getting the full, you know, the full you're use of your You're talking about wasting work time to mm-hmm. make tea. But if you were the boss and you, you wanted your employees to not be in the kitchen, you'd get the six second kettle, wouldn't you? Yeah, but you wouldn't you wouldn't give them the uh, you wouldn't give them the tea break. I think when me and Eamon were looking for a kettle, maybe this house, because uh, I think the old one was sketchy. Right. <laughs> uh, we were looking at like Wi-Fi enabled kettles and stuff, so you could just be sat in the living room and press a button on your phone and the kettle. Would <laughs> the Internet of Things. Yeah, but um, they were expensive. I can imagine over a hundred pounds. For sure. Well, you know, even even box standard kettles can be that price. Kettles are going to be quite expensive, What do they do? Well, they probably just insulate better, so they'll hold the, the water boiling at or 96 degrees for longer and stuff. But yeah, they, so some of the top, like, some of the kettles you just see in the regular Sainsbury's will be like 70, 80 quid. So that's why you always go for the six pound one from Argos, which is like, you know, two people worth of plastic <laughs> around a filament. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I spent a good 30 pounds on that kettle downstairs. I see, there you go. It's starting to get fancy now. Yeah, there you go, you see. Is it, is it worth the... Uh, well, it's 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 wireless, isn't it? Well, not wireless, what <laughs> I thought it was detachable from the wire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're nearly all like that, though, aren't they? Uh, not necessarily, no, but yeah, for the most part, they've got their base uh, thing. Well, I haven't seen one, one with a wire in years. Well, now that I mention it, I can't think of one. 
So yeah, you'll be right. I wonder how interesting this is for the people listening. <clears throat> You'd be surprised. Mostly <laughs> <laughs> about the, the comments please be just flooded with uh, stories yeah. about kettles. <laughs> Have you got a kettle with a wire? Please phone in now. <laughs> it's not a radio show. Well, they could phone into the, the priest hotline. If you want to meet priests your own age, listen in on the latest gossip or simply have a bit of a laugh. Then call Priest Chatback and speak to priests you want to know. Uh, <laughs> I'll just put Mac's number in at the end and they can ring him. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. <laughs> but they, they do have the, the priest hotline where. If you're looking for priests in your area, <laughs> talk about kettles. Uh, those ads are still in existence. I was going to say, do you remember those those ads? But they're still on, you know, late night quiz quiz channels and stuff. Uh, is there girls in your area? Spoon this three pound a minute mm. phone line. Yeah, do mm. people actually phone them? Well, I suppose they must do, or otherwise wouldn't keep yeah, them for years. Yeah. Yeah. So Ted and Dougal stumble into the lingerie department. Uh, Perfumed. Perfumed. You think you'd be able to smell it? Where exactly are we now? Well, we're in the um, Hindi. Oh, what? We're in lingerie. We're in lingerie. What's the problem there, Ted? Think about it. Two priests hanging around near ladies' secret things. It just doesn't look good. Where is the exit? Oh, God, look, we're in bras. This way. Oh no, more underpants. I mean, why did they need so many kinds of underpants? Huh? I mean, what? Did they parade around in them looking in mirrors all the time? <laughs> Billy! Terry! Ted, Ted Trilly. How are you? Good to see you both. We got a bit lost in the store, that's why we're here. We got a bit lost. <laughs> I suppose that's why you're here as well. Lost? Uh, yeah. That's right. Yep, that's it. That's it, exactly. We lost. We lost. We're our, lost. Um... <laughs> I don't suppose you know the way out of here. It's uh, Ireland's biggest lingerie section, I understand. Really? Yeah, I read that somewhere. <laughs> Apparently, reasonably innocently, they're looking for perfume for Mrs. Doyle, but they bump into Billy and Terry, uh, who are definitely not there for innocent reasons because they're having a good look at uh, the products on show. <laughs> <laughs> and as, of course, Billy tells us in what is potentially the line of the show, uh, it's the biggest lingerie section in Ireland, I understand. <laughs> I read that. Somewhere. <laughs> right, where do you reckon I read that, Colin? Where did you read it? Yeah. And uh, what publication? Uh, probably in the magazine for the shop. Yeah. The catalogue. Don Stores Ennis. Dunes, yeah. Dunes, Could have been Dunes, Dunes Boutique, mm-hmm. way, as Sean used to call it. <laughs> Don, Don Stores. Yeah, Don Stores uh, goes back a long way in Ireland. Like he used to, when Don Stores opened in Oma, it was like the greatest thing ever. Because all we had up to that point was. Wellworths, not even Woolworths, Wellworths. Wellworths. Yeah. Do you know Wellworths? Yeah, it was Wellworths and Banbridge too, on a crazy prices. Crazy prices, no, I don't know that. So there was a co-op across the road from Wellworths, and yet we never, ever seemed to go into it. But then when the Dunns came in, it was like, oh, well, all bets are off, we're all going to Dunns. <laughs> well, Wellworths became Super Value, and crazy prices became Tesco. Tesco um, used to go crazy prices. Well, Tesco bought it over, I think. Oh. And then, then there's Super Queen as well. Which, which became something else. But yeah, all the, all the old supermarkets that are now just being conglomerated into one one duopoly. It's all just Walmart now, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, well, it will be when they take over Tesco and soon. Yeah, so then they. Oh, here, do you know what? There's a Dunn stores in Malaga. 
that's the other thing I was going to tell you. Really? Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, what do they sell there? Same crap. <laughs> same same advertising. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kevin Bishop has a whole has a whole uh, a whole routine about um, about gun stores. Apparently in Scotland, it's where the you know the filth all uh, do their shopping because it's quite fancy, isn't it? I thought. What do you mean the filth? Well, as in like, <laughs> the place, the, the ones who uh, yeah, <laughs> no, not not that filth. No, the, uh, the the ones who'd uh, just beat you up for as soon as look at you for you know giving them the, the evil stares. Oh, right, okay. uh, that's what basically the whole routine. I can't actually remember the routine. I might, I might try and seek out a clip for the podcast. But uh, yeah, you give them a, a really uh, a really bad rap. Whereas over here, it's not it's not considered like off market or anything, but it's sort of mid market. It's sort of. It's like the wrong below Marks and Spencer's, maybe. Uh, probably be. It's up, <laughs> up and down the <laughs> generous. Yeah. yeah. To wrong above Primark. Right. Yeah. Well, I've I've got T-shirts that are eight years old that I still wear from Dom. So, like they're. Is that, what does that say about? Is that talking about the quality of their products, or is that just you, maybe uh, not buying clothes regularly enough? Uh, both. Mm. See, uh, that's what I do. I, I just buy cheap clothes that you know last the distance, and then just don't replace them. <laughs> do you know how he makes them last so long? Once, uh, uh, Mako was just finished with his washing, and it turns out that instead of actually you know putting them on the full wash cycle, he would just put them on the dry, because he thinks you know if they get hot enough, that's clean again. And the germs <laughs> are dead. Have I done that before? Because I've done it recently. I, I just I, I just cannot figure out how to work fucking washing machines. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I think I think anyone was taking some stuff out, and he realised that all he'd done was just put them on like a dry cycle he must have a habit of this because I put uh, I put a wash in and I came out it's like this stuff is not clean what's fuck going on it's just hot yeah, yeah. <laughs> just wet so, <laughs> it's not, not even wet because he doesn't put them on the wash bit. well see I assumed it had gone through the full wash and dry cycle so he just takes the stuff out before the fucking drying's finished and just I wonder how many times you've done it and not uh, you've not realised really. well because the just put on a hot smelly <laughs> t-shirt again well it's, it's got it's got scent because it's got the uh, you know the tablets inside so it's been rescented. So it's, it's grand as long as, as long as it doesn't smell bad. I'm I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, to, sure. To get back to uh, to get back to the largest laundry section in Ireland, uh, they did meet even more lost souls. Uh, another group of five, uh, four priests, including uh, trans, the star of Transpotting and Vice City, uh, Scottish actor Kevin McKidd. And uh, do you remember in Vice City or sorry, Transpotting? Do you know Transpotting had five characters? Mm-hmm. Apparently, he was sick when they were doing uh, the. Um, a photo shoot for that because he would have been number six and uh, his career has suffered ever since because yeah because he didn't get into that poster but he was the one that uh, you know he starts off you know he's one pump and iron he's, he's clean living and stuff and he's, oh Tommy yes yeah, yeah. and he, his girlfriend dumps him so he says oh, give me a go I want to see what this is like mm-hmm. and of course he contracts AIDS very quick uh, and he's also in Vice City as uh, the rock star uh, from Love Fist I can't don't remember that very well. well. I've never seen that film, I assume it is. Oh, but, oh sorry, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, the, oh, right. the video game. Mm. One of the seminal, you know, seminal video game, one of the mm. great, greatest works of art of the 21st century. Favourite video game, Colin? Favourite video game? Yeah. FIFA? <laughs> FIFA 17 at the moment. Are you upgraded? To, we're, we're still in 16. But there you go. That's a different podcast altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Ted, well, once again, Ted takes control immediately and he's uh he's a, the the voice of reason and while, while they're going through all their their nam traumas and uh, ptsd he's the one's able to get them get their get their head straight and make sure they can get their way out i thought that bit was really well done obviously it links back to you know the old kind of war films your 
I don't know what it's referencing, but probably Apocalypse Now, that type of thing. Uh, yeah, it was, I don't think it was anything in particular. It was just the sort of cliche of the war film, but mm-hmm. I did like this whole... Uh, I want you to imagine us having sipping iced tea mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll be thinking about this. It'll just be a memory. Just hold on to that. <laughs> uh, but we do have a Meet Your Maker uh, with, uh, <laughs> when they get the first Tannoy voice going across the, going across the airwaves. Attention lady shoppers, gifts for husbands, like pipes and slippers are now available on the first floor. And it's Arthur, uh, when he says about the gifts for husbands, including your pipe and slippers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, uh, so that makes it 8-5 to Arthur. In the, See the boring, the boring voice the, priest. Not the boring voice priest, the only one that uh, inspires Ted, gives, inspires Ted to have the idea of putting up some of the boring voice on. Oh, okay. uh, but, uh, so it's Tom McCaskill is the, is uh I have a very boring voice, Father. <laughs> when they're celebrating their escape later on, and he keeps trying to talk, and Ted's like, "Sorry, your voice is just so boring. I couldn't keep up." But uh, Ted, Ted does get them all out, and uh, he gets a phone call from a father, Tom McCaskill, who is in Rome, kicking back. And once again, the Vatican is on the is the the party central. Uh, Ted really needs to get get into. The, the Roman part of the Roman Catholic Church because he's missing all the parties here and we all know he loves a good party uh, but he's informed that he's about to win the, the prestigious Golden Cleric Award <laughs> and uh, when uh, he says he wants to practice and Jack Jack decides Jack has a, an award routine locked in oh god I'll have to write a speech it'll have to be absolutely brilliant it's not every day you win an award award uh, no no father you can't have an award why not award Award! Yes, award! Father. Award! Yes, award! Award! Yes, father! Yes, father! There you are! Right! Photo! Photo! Dougal, <laughs> take a photograph. <laughs> photo! Again! Again! Uh, so Jack's always been uh, harboured ambitions to be an award winner as well. Well, that, that could be true, yeah. That's why he's turned alcoholic. He's... Trying to black out the memory of never winning a golden cleric. Yeah, he's just uh, the pinnacle of any priest career. Not exactly. Although it's only been going for five years, so maybe mm-hmm. Jack was never in the running in the first place. Maybe mm-hmm. that's where the bitterness comes from. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah, now these young priests get all these opportunities that I never had in my day. I think he did something that would have qualified for one. Uh, almost certainly not. <laughs> 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 Although, to be fair, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No. More water. More water. <laughs> Uh, well, we have uh, a couple of entries into the film club as well. Uh, or Ted or Dougal suggests, or Ted reminds Dougal the last time he watched a scary film, which wasn't actually that scary. And Dougal turned around and says, "What are you talking about? A volcano with a mind of its, or volcano, a Volkswagen with a mind of its own." Uh, uh Bert, Bert, Bertie, not Bert, Bertie, Herbie, Herbie, Herbie uh, from the Love Bug, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you should. That's uh, that's our latest entry in the film club. So we've got quite a few, and we'll go through all of the uh, film club entries and the CD collection. Uh, which is all the music that's featured. I uh, probably will make that into a Spotify playlist if I get the time between now and the final episode. Uh, but we'll go through all those in the in the uh, roundup episode when we come to make, record that in January. Uh, and then Arthur uh, steals away another another lead where he gets another meter maker. And if you want if you want to meet priests your own age, so it's him doing the voiceover for that uh, for that phone line. So he wins nine five. So it was pretty much all walkover in the end, wasn't it? With the cameos from Graham and Arthur. That's it done. That's final, uh, final score. Uh, yes, that is the final score. I did have to re readjust because I missed Graham in the first episode, but I have I've, I brought that up in the in the previous episode, previous podcast. But uh, yeah, nine five, Arthur. 
but most of Archer's uh, contributions were as a voice so maybe he's maybe that's not fair maybe I have to recount them did you tell me they took those parts on because they didn't want to have to pay anybody else uh, I, I don't know if that for a fact but it would make sense mm. instead of paying somebody you know to provide a voiceover for £600 a day or something if you've already got somebody there just doing nothing all day anyway you may as well just stick a microphone in front of their face much like what we're doing in this room right now <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just get them to contribute so how's things going actually <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've seen you look better yeah. with, with, with your blanket around you <laughs> Uh, and then we have another window to your soul, uh, where Mrs. D, well she falls off the windowsill. Mrs. D. Mrs. D. Uh, she falls off the windowsill, but uh, she actually takes part of the window frame with her, so she's trying to, ca- tries to catch herself on her way down. So, yeah, it does get a white battery in that other window, doesn't it? And Ted asks her, Ted gets very um, self-conscious, and he asks her, so, oh, am I really the, the best priest in Ireland? What do you think, Mrs. Doyle? And she goes, well, you're probably second best. <laughs> and... He says, oh, well, I can't compete with uh, Bishop Tutu. She goes, well, no, I think Bishop Tutu is a Protestant. <laughs> oh, so a Protestant's better than me, is he? <laughs> uh, yeah, he gets very tetchy with the fact that he, you know, people aren't just stroking his ego at all, all turns. For Mrs. Doyle, can't, can't do anything right, can't she? It was a Peter Perfect, the perfect priest. <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and he tries, to, he tries to slam the door on his way out, and every time he does, something, something just drops off the wall, one of the Christmas decorations, and then he, just, he sneaks in for a third time. A bit, uh, you know, self-told because he's a bit embarrassed. He has to get his keys, and he just lightly closes the door, and everything just falls falls down around her. So all poor Mrs. Doyle's hard work, where she fell off the windowsill, was was robbed of her. Uh, she had it coming. Yeah, she did. <laughs> he, he never actually apologized for that. I noticed, even though when he did give her the, the Christmas gift, he, he, so he just treats her like shit and just expects her to forget about it. What did she get? She, did she got the tea master. The tea master, yeah. yeah. Uh, and also the also the zipline that helped her down off the windowsill later in the episode, uh, but it's a similar. Uh, and then he's having a bit of a, a bit of a walk to himself, and he's you know trying to gather his thoughts, and he throws a stone into a lake or into the sea, and hits somebody in the back. So <laughs> somebody's rowing in the back, and it did remind me of a joke in Hot Shots. Uh, have you seen Hot Shots? Yeah, Charlie yeah, Sheen. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Charlie Sheen's going through a similar sort of. Uh, existential crisis and he's chatting to somebody he goes seems no matter what I do I end up hurting somebody and he picks up a stone and goes to skim it <laughs> and he just happens to hit somebody in the canoe in the way past have <laughs> uh, you, know, you not heard of Hot Shots? I don't think I've ever seen a film with Charlie Sheen in so I only really know him from Tiger Blood yeah winning YouTube <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, he actually was quite funny in the two Hot Shots films yeah, Hot Shots was brilliant. Mm-hmm. If, you like, if you like Airplane and Naked Gun, that type Same of humor. Kind of thing. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, there's, yeah, it, it generally was like five or ten, five or just five or ten like laugh out loud moments that had me in stitches like two days after. <laughs> He's being a jerk. Have <laughs> <laughs> you seen a major major league? Film yes, like baseball uh, film. Well, I've seen Major League Two for some reason. Mm-hmm. I've never ever seen Major League One. Major League Two is better actually. Is it? First one. Yeah. It's a. Uh, yeah, he, he he shaves his head into a wild thing. Yes, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I was on a cruise once. Uh, get me, and they had a TV channel which only showed that film on repeat. Routine, all right. <laughs> so how many times did you watch it? I must have seen it. I was like a week it was away for. I must have seen it about six times. I think I watched it every day. <laughs> six or seven times. Do, yeah. do you know every line then? <laughs> Near enough. Uh, yeah, I don't actually remember much about it. I can remember a little. Flashes that make no sense out of context. Mm. Serrano want to bat, and such. <laughs> Example. Uh, 
But then we have a, a cameo by Ed Byrne when uh, Ted phones up the priest's hotline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <A> stupid priest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, like, there was actually quite a lot of comedians made um, very early cameos in Father's Head back in the day. Like, so we had Ed Byrne, we had... Um, uh, Graham Norton. Graham Norton, yeah, in his early career. Tommy Tiernan before he sort of hit big. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a few others that didn't, didn't sort of hit big until maybe five or ten years after. So the, I don't Brent, know whether, Brendan Grace was another one. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, Brendan Grace was sort of famous on the comedy scene, mm. the comedy circuit, but maybe hadn't hit mainstream success. But yeah, it was like, so whether they were actively seeking out comedians or just that that break give people the sort of kick in the arse their career needed or whatever. But uh, well, they saw it wasn't um, Dougal Ardlow. Yeah, he was doing stand up. Like they found him doing stand up when right. they went to hire him. Right. So right, they must have been looking for comedians. Just, uh, yeah. just having a look out. Well, I did. I was chatting with somebody like years ago. He was writing in a pub I worked in. He was saying, "Yeah, if you're a comedian working at all in Ireland, you were getting a cameo on Father Ted." Mm-hmm. Uh, it he, does seem like any like Irish comedian that you'd know of in the UK has been on Father Ted. Yeah. yeah, no, no Daryl Green though. No, yeah. there's <laughs> quite often you would see a, like a sketch or you know a comedy show or a film that's from Ireland, and you see somebody you recognise as one of the old former priests and father to you oh there's the father yes, such yeah. such. <laughs> wonder what he's doing now well uh, for recognisable priests uh, of course they mean well, well actually we'll, we'll get to him in a minute but uh, father Je- Father uh, Todd is an actor I did actually know uh, from before but uh, Ted was around his walk and he realised he had to do a funeral while you were out for your walk we had a phone call I think you were supposed to do a funeral today <gasps> funeral I completely forgot about it it's all right. <laughs> Father Maguire said he'd do it. <laughs> Dougal's doing a funeral! You let Dougal do a funeral! Sorry about that. How do you manage to get the... the, the, the what do you call the cars? The big... Uh, hearse? The hearse, yeah. You got a hearse. Well, he got it on fire and it was so far off the great. It It overturned and on fire and then (laughs) eventually exploded. (laughs) All I could say was, yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) But then we get a few more entries into the list of priests. Uh, So this is a list of people who affect me over. I love that phrase. (laughs) Uh, Father Jimmy Fennell and Father PJ Clobbert, who should be in liars, not twats list. So he's he's got them all, (laughs) he's got them all, uh, you know, compartmentalised. In his encyclopedia of, of a speech, that, uh, I think we all do in our minds, if not written down. Do you, do you have a list of enemies? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is anyone in this room on it? No, thankfully not. No. Okay, good. But you're bored. Yeah, I, I need to work harder then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, do you know Pendulette, the magician? <clears throat> Who? Pendulette is uh, half pen pen teller. Yeah, he he does a very good podcast. Uh, I assume he's the one that speaks. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, he's tall. You might you might yeah, recognize yeah. him from Sabrina the Teenage Witch when he is the head of the witches council. That's right. <laughs> the, the, the glasses, the big guy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's about he's about six foot eight or something. Uh, but he, he hosts a very good podcast, and <laughs> I just listened to it recently. I hadn't listened to it for a while. It was the one just after Trump got elected. He's on Trump's enemies list. <laughs> so, uh, 
Apparently, uh, Trump was the first uh, president-elect to have his enemy list published before he becomes president. <laughs> Nixon's wasn't found out till after. So. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Trump is on, or uh, depends on it. Must be quite a long list, must not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's checking it twice, mm-hmm. trying to find out who's naughty or nice. Uh, and then Donald we have Donald Trump is common. <laughs> uh, and then we have uh, an appearance by Larry Duff. Hope Larry Duff's coming. Catch my big moment. Actually, I'll give him a call. <laughs> Hope he makes it. Larry's tremendous fun, you know. He loves award ceremonies. his last appearance on the show now he didn't appear on season 3 and of course the Christmas episode came between season 2 and 3 uh, so this is his last gleaming and what happens to him is uh, he's well he loves award ceremonies so he would have loved to get a call from Ted but he's in the middle of skiing down a mountain mm-hmm. and loses complete control when he gets uh, when he gets onto the uh, onto the thing but they do add in a bit of foley at the end where he goes ow my leg ah he's out as he's falling head first down a, <laughs> down a skiing ravine does that mean he might have died he never got well he, he does three. show up in later in the episode when uh, Jack uh, who is it that, uh, hang on, uh, yeah Jack slams the door and he's told to be quiet he slams the door really loud and causes an avalanche <laughs> which we have to assume has killed him because we see that the avalanche is caused by Jack's uh, door never heard of again never to be heard of again mm-hmm. god rest him so what uh, just off the top of your head what was your favourite uh, Harry Duff moment uh, can you give us some options? Well, there's a f- there was the guns off. one. I remember that. The guns one, yes. Yeah. The, I don't really. Mm. Yeah, stop the checkpoint. <laughs> that was probably my favorite one. And I would say, yeah, it turns out he was had a lot of guns in the back of the car. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's uh, the darts. There's a few. There's a few lame ones too, like the house of cards that just fell over. Mm-hmm. Although we did, to be fair, he did staple his own ear because he thought he was. Uh, <laughs> I like the the fact that he wanted a lot of rabbits running around the place, so he could, but he couldn't get them. So instead, he got Rottweilers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he had just waited one more day. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, got a Christmas gift of a matador suit, even though he's never expressed any any prior engagement in matadors. Apart from we learn when he says Ted in a big sign, Ted, please get me a load of matador stuff. Where did that come from? Which was never mentioned or <laughs> before or since. Uh, Catherine told me yesterday she wanted a list from me of stuff I want for Christmas, and she can pick things off the list. And I might stick put a Matador card <laughs> just to see, <laughs> to see what she uh, questions it. And a trip to uh, Galicia or somewhere, or wherever in Spain that uh, does the <laughs> bullfighting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so he just goes right to the, uh, quite a significant chunk of the rest of the episode in a Matador suit, which is for no for no reason, no no jokes about it. He's just wearing it. <laughs> It'd be difficult to buy pre Amazon, I think, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You'd have to go into like a proper costume shop, or you know, get one specially designed from Spain or something. Yeah. Uh, but then we get the entry of Jared Mc- uh, yeah. Father Todd Umshus, so he's not doesn't reveal his name actually, as we find out until after twenty nine guesses by Mrs. Doyle. Who could that be? Oh, ceremony isn't until two. Father, it's Ted. <laughs> Hello there. <laughs> I haven't missed the ceremony, have I? No, no, not at all. You haven't changed a bit. 
You rascal. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you, look at you. You haven't changed either. <laughs> what? Well, what about the hair? Oh, right, well, the hair, it's a, it's a, it's a different shape. Colour? Colour, colour, yes, of course. It, it used to be red. Brown. Blonde. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there. Hello there, you back. I suppose he told you all about me. No. Who are you? <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> Who is he? <laughs> hey, tell you what. Why didn't you stick the old name and address in the, uh, the book, you know? Especially the name. Very important that you write the name very, very clearly. Uh, I'd love to tell, but I can't really write. You see, one time last year I was running with scissors and I fell, and the nerve that controls handwriting was completely severed. Uh, but it's played by owner actor Jared McSorley, who has come, appeared in the podcast mm. a few times uh, because of his antics with a flower pot. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're aware yeah. of this? Yeah. I remember that one. What, what was that? Well, he, he, there's a rest warrant put out for him randomly. Like, uh, in oh Donegal. yeah, yeah. In real life, like, yeah, I was yeah. thinking like I remember that episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so he paid his debt to society, which was thirty a thirty pound fine. So now he's free to he's a free man. Well, he's free to roam again. And uh, but it, it was such a it was such a feathered head like storyline. Like, it was outside of it. It was uh, you, if you ever chatted with the Sunday Fist on the Culture Night episode. Yeah, yeah. It was outside a bank that this happened. He like it wasn't even somebody's garden or something. He, he broke a few flat pots outside a bank. So they put an arrest warrant out for him. <laughs> but he, he is actually he's actually a brilliant actor. Uh, he was in Braveheart and uh, a film about Oma called Oma, uh, and Veronica Gear and a host of other um, uh, Irish films. Like he, in, was he one of the, he was one of the noblemen in yes, Braveheart. Yeah, and uh, he meets his end uh, with at the end of a mess by uh, uh, by Wallace comes in on the horse. Yeah, does he? Into, yeah, into his yeah. bed and just gets a mess. And just, <laughs> So good, good old violent death. One, one for the show, really, that one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he's and uh, he's. Yeah. I did not know him, and I would actually like to know him, like get to know him and get to work with him at some point in my career. In ten days, uh, but yeah, he, he could be the. Uh, he could be. I was, I was hoping, you know, if I ever got to make, uh, setting up for Michael as a play or as a film, he'd be he'd be the part. Why? Uh, why don't you? What's up to you? Uh, the old chestnut of finances and mm. such like, but yeah, he's a very good actor. Can make it on an iPhone. Yeah, but I still have to pay. Would be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wouldn't even be the issue. I'd be worried about it's actually paying the people in the film and paying people working on the film. So. You could play um all the parts like uh, Eddie Murphy in Bowfinger. I was, just, I was just thinking about that film. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say Nutty Professor, uh, but uh, yeah, okay. No, no, uh, no, no. You're right. Actually, yeah, Nutty Professor he does all those. But have you seen that film Bowfinger? I haven't seen that one. No. Where he he plays it's Kit Kit Carson or something. His name is, and the this film director decides to make a film with. Just one with with him in it, but not tell him. So people would like run up to him in the street, and he would be filming from across the road, and they would like act out something in front of him, and he would be standing there going, "What the hell's going on?" <laughs> oh, I've never heard of that. Have to look up. Oh, is that one Steve Martin? Yeah, yeah, Steve Martin, the film director. <laughs> Sounds like a Truman Show, just less than. Mm-hmm. And then he he thinks that there's, he thinks it's aliens. He's really like conspiracy conspira- conspiracy theorist. Right, right. So he thinks this is really weird, and he's he's really paranoid. That's, weird things are happening and he has to go and see a psychiatrist and then but the people are still trying to fill him in and <laughs> it is it's, it's alright I think it was 19, by 1999 it came out was he when he found out is he like is he happy or is he angry <clears throat> like, does he think it's a good laugh or no no he... he's not happy he's real he's real asshole in the film he's real 
Ah, Sullivan actor. Yeah. That's the character he's playing. Nice. Must watch Bullfinger then. Yeah. See, it's hard, it's hard to take any more free seriously at all, given his output in the last 10 or 15 years. Like, mm-hmm. so. mm-hmm. Still, Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, and then we get to the, uh, the setup of the uh, Golden Clerics uh, ceremony, which seems like it's happening on Christmas Day. If I go going by content or you know going by the uh, chronology of the episode, but it's uh, most of it is just a montage of TV and jokes. Whereas like uh, you get somebody who's rehearsing their lines and, and somebody with cue cards is like I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm not trying, trying to have a go at you, but you know you really need to be on your game today. You really need to be on your game. So that would have been you know a pretty original joke back in nineteen ninety six, but it's every TV show nowadays seems to have fucking TV like behind the scenes and jokes, and it's, I find it really annoying. You know when shows are about actors or writers and it's like 30 Rock and well yeah well see 30 Rock I can sort of forgive because the whole premise of the show is about making that show but it's like you know when when the main character is an actor and it's like oh okay this is just you telling stories about what happened to you at some point in your life like, you think um, of extras well extras and it is very common that since yeah. extras like someone playing the kind of parody of themselves like yeah of your enthusiasm and stuff exactly yeah or there's always like a major storyline involving actors like Arrested Development and you know Arrested Development is supposed to be about like this real estate mogul but mm-hmm. yes every they always had like some connection to Hollywood and stuff and yeah just I just find it really annoying like there are other jobs than fucking you know the media do you know what I mean suppose you write about what you know and if they all work in TV then yeah exactly exactly and then we get to Ted's acceptance speech I hope he doesn't start going on about himself and settling all scores in public. Well, <laughs> well, well, well. I, uh, I see some familiar faces here today. Some welcome, some not so welcome. It looks as if I've had the last laugh on a lot of people who really didn't think I had it in me to become a brilliant priest. Well, what I say to those people is, look at me now. <laughs> But eventually, I got out of this headlock. And now, where are you, Father Eamon Hunter? Working with some pygmies in the South Seas, and where am I? Here, accepting a Golden Cleric Award for being a top priest. <laughs> yes, of course. He thought it would be a great idea, great fun, to pour water on this young novice's mattress. But of course, 30 years later, the smile has been very much swiped off Father Barry Kiernan's face. <laughs> and now, we move on to liars. <laughs> Father Peter Sorrenton. Father Desmond Cairns. Remember him? Well. Well, well, well. <laughs> He's clearly been building that up for years. <laughs> and he mentions, uh, he mentions Father Eamon Hunter, who's now working with pigs, pygmies in the South Seas. Well, it's not as if, uh, it's not as if Craig Island's a better, um, <laughs> a better station to be at. Uh, Father Barry Kernan, uh, Father Peter Thornton, Father Desmond Cairns. And then we see the tea master in action, and it's just this big noise thon of, uh, you know, just. And then a little, little, little drop at the end just to get the tea. <laughs> Which is clearly no, no match for a human made cup of tea, as Mrs. Doyle explains. like the sound of that at all. I'm sorry, Mrs. Doyle. We're just going to have to get it fixed. Oh, no, Father. Don't, please. What? 
Father, I love the whole tea-making thing. You know, the playful splash of the tea as it hits the bottom of the cup, the thrill of adding the milk, and watching it settle for a moment before it filters slowly down through the cup, changing the colour from dark brown to a lighter brown, <laughs> perching an optional Jaffa cake on the saucer, like a, a proud soldier standing to attention beside a giant cup of tea. The, the magical splash as it hits the bottom of the cup. And <laughs> and that's quite poetic, poetic the way she described yes, it. Yes, exactly, yeah. And like the Jaffa cake was like a soldier standing guard to a massive giant cup. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, Jack turns out is a is a francophile because uh, they they need to shut him off for a while so they say make that uh, and they need him to stand up off uh, Priestley sitting oh, on yeah, yeah. so they put on the, the French national anthem Marseillaise yeah see I didn't realise that was the French national anthem that it's just like this but uh, this piece of music that just seems to be everywhere how does it go is that it no it's you know the start of all you need is love for the Beatles what was I humming then? I don't know. No. <laughs> do yours again? I think it was an American thing, wasn't it? I don't know. I can't yeah. get in my head. And they end up trying to watch something on TV, and the thing is on is mass and Latin. But uh, Todd Unctuous is very uh, excited about this because it's been told by Father Alton Crosby. Ah, great. Mass. Yeah. <laughs> He gives good mass. <laughs> and then they watch, I don't know if I should put this in the film club because they watch uh, Jurassic Park with uh, extra dinosaurs in the special edition. But uh, Jurassic Park has come up a few times in the show before. Because this was, this was I was in, surely. Okay, yeah. Yeah, film, film club. But uh, it, shows how, uh, it shows how big Jurassic Park was for years afterwards. Like They were still talking about the big movie of like three or four years ago. With such familiarity, like that everyone was chatting about it. There's some good stuff on YouTube, like a behind the scenes about Jurassic Park, and you see them, like, you know, trying to build the big T Rex, and it's uh, just smart, like yeah, the yeah. amount of work that industrial light and magic from no. that, that first one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a big um, animatronic. That's why it still looks decent. Mm. Uh, it's, it's a big, massive puppet, effectively, just yeah. a, a really, like an RC puppet almost, that they had, like, they were, they were controlled at the radios and stuff, but then when they had close ups, it would be like, an actor's hand just dressed up or like just a puppet just dressed up for the hands yeah. and stuff but for uh, the big like T-Rex or anything with the big T-Rex like that was there was, there was a giant dinosaur there like. yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we get another contender for the end of the show where uh, Ted and Dougal are in bed anyway don't worry about it Ted sure you'll be gone in the morning <laughs> there you are hello there Look at you, lying in there like a big Egypt. <laughs> well, here we all are now, all the lads. <laughs> Just like in the old days, eh? Do you remember all the fun we used to have in the showers? <laughs> do, you still, do you still have the big old hairy arse? <laughs> Fluff. Todd, that, that wasn't hair, that was a bit of downy fluff. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, memories. Do you remember the time you all mitched off to the Dana concert? I couldn't go because I was recovering from a massive car accident. 
Did they show you the scar? There you are. See that crescent shape there? God, yes, yes. And that series of tiny little indentations all along me inner thigh. That's really, really, um... They run the whole way up to me groin. They were thinking about getting rid of this weirdo, Todd Unctions, and he opens the door and he goes in his underwear. Yeah, here we all are now. All the lads. <laughs> this is actually, this is one of my favourite bits in the whole Father Ted. Your man comes in and shows his leg off. Yeah. <laughs> well, Should have thought about that sentence before I said it. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, all the lads. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, it was a very sinister uh, entry into his room, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> or, uh, very definite sinister intent. It was probably just to you know put them off that's because as we find out he's trying to he's just trying to rob the, the golden cleric of him but mm-hmm. you know you can see where Ted and Dougal were getting very uncomfortable the first thing you do is pull the blankets up uh, <laughs> yeah well he would get uncomfortable especially when he's just there in his wife runs well exactly yeah yeah, and uh, showing off his scars and his mm-hmm. inner thighs and stuff <laughs> that was one of the quotes you know uh, in the World Cup you saw all the kind of island flags people had made that there was loads of ones with different Father Ted quotes but that was one of the good ones here we are here, here we are <laughs> oh, <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Todd has actually done his research. Well, we find out he, he got it all from the, the one priest, but he has mentioned uh, Ted's dirty fluff and admitting off to see Dana, mm-hmm. which, uh, which is you know that's very uh, that's very intricate knowledge he has of Ted's you know history at the, at the seminary. Uh, and Irish, Irish Eurovision winner, Dana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dana International. Not done. Not done international. Oh hello. Oh okay. We just yeah. said things. <laughs> Uh, Dana International, or sorry, no, Dana was the first Irish winner of the Eurovision. You know, we are now current record holders. No, no, no one's toppled our seven, our seven triumphs yet. Sing the song. <clears throat> All kinds of everything remind me of you. Uh, she has also since uh, <laughs> she has also since stood for the presidency of Ireland on about four or five occasions. Ha- hasn't won obviously, but uh, she stands on a sort of Christian, uh, Christian ticket, mm. where it's all a bit wholesome some family values and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. She was mentioned in another episode, wasn't she? Some yeah, the, yeah. when uh, they were talking about becoming rock stars, it's like, we missed off to see Dana, and it was like, Dana! <laughs> Nobody likes Dana, Ted. I think it was actually a Eurosong episode. Uh, was the, some mad bloke like Dana, and he'd kill a lot of people or something? Yeah. I can't remember now what it was, but she was definitely mentioned. Yeah. Like callbacks in this one, isn't it? Yeah, so that's, what, that's what I was saying. There was, uh, they have done a few times, so they're, well, interestingly, this is the last episode that Declan Lowney uh, directed because he didn't direct any in season three, and I was looking for some if there was any um, if there was any sort of touches, and the only one that we could see was when he's uh, walking along the beach and there's little heads come up. Now I was trying to, I didn't uh, check to see what that was a parody of, but it's become a sort of cliche where you know a head comes up and you see if, like what they're saying and stuff. So I must find out what that was. Uh, but yeah, there wasn't. So I guess that was his sort of unofficial goodbye, where he just uh, called back to the previous episodes. What do you mean a head comes up? Uh, so like there'd be like a, a flashback of Dougal saying, "You're just the second best," or not Mrs. Doyle saying, "You're just the second best priest in Ireland." And do you mean the head's like spinning around? Yeah, like yeah. your yeah. Uh, it's been done in Simpsons a couple of times oh, as well. A thought bubble thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, but yeah, so I, I wonder that's from. It must be like. An old like art house cinema or something, or some horror film or something, because they do love their horror films. It's hard to Google, isn't it? Yeah, because what do you even hard to describe? What yeah, how do you even? What do you even type? Like? <laughs> maybe Hitchcock maybe did something, or I would be I wouldn't be surprised if it was something like Hitchcock. Yeah. What's that? What's that film called? 
Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. That Christmas film. Christmas. Uh, oh, Wonderful Life. Wonderful yeah. Life. Yeah, I think it's in that. Possibly. Right enough, actually. Yes. Uh, he goes a bit mad towards the end. Yes. Yes. That that, that probably is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we see Unctuous uh, is obviously a very good cat burglar because he's got the stealth skills of Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. When he comes <laughs> down in the uh, in the four wires. <laughs> Unfortunately, it, uh, it it must be Acme brand wires because they, <laughs> they they do fall foul of uh, physics where one of the strings breaks. And <laughs> Dougal comes down to watch a scary movie, and he keeps turning around, and it's uh, it's, it's quite it's quite skillful to actually maneuver yourself when you're hovered on uh, on uh, you know strings like that. How do you know? Well, because it uh, takes quite a lot of core strength, because he's supporting his own leg weight, uh, and he has to obviously. It sounds know, like you're talking from experience, though. Well, yeah, I've done a bit of like you know physical theater and stuff where you have to. Are you on a wire? Not not a wire, but like. Try try and well try try and hold your legs uh, straight to your body when you're supporting your body weight from your upper body weight. It's extremely hard. <laughs> I'll try that later on. Yeah, do. Uh, it's hard. It's hard, it's hard to describe a, a situation where you'd require it in everyday circumstance. But uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like it, like I've seen magicians. There's a magician's trick where the magician's assistant sort of uh, hovers across a chair, even when he takes the chair, or even when he, all she's doing is sort of on the sort of back of the chair and I think how they do it is they pull out a little ledge for her to use but that's only that's only supporting like her back yeah she's still gonna keep you have to keep your legs straight uh, and you know even if you try and lift your legs off the ground if you're lying, lying on the ground you lift your legs up like how much core strength that requires so yeah, good on Jared he's got some he's got some chops not a plank work not a plank work yeah mm. yeah but uh, yeah, Dougal comes down uh, when Ted catches him watching the scary film. He's like, "No, I just came down to carry the milk around." Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and Ted uh, practices a few speeches where he mentions President Robinson, who was president at the time. President Mary Robinson. Mary Robinson. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just wanted to. That was the, it. Shows how long ago it was. We've had two presidents mm-hmm. since then. Uh, Mary McAleese and Michael D. Yeah, Ernest quite good at collecting presidents the last last twenty years or so. What about Bernie? He was Prime Minister. <clears throat> he was the Taoiseach. And he, was, uh, he was a bit of a jackass for most, by all accounts. Mm. <laughs> they're, they're shit at electing politicians, just good at electing presidents who have no actual power or anything, just mm. ceremonial. Mm. They, they've, got, they've got this all turned around, they've got this all wrong. Like. <laughs> mm. uh, and then we get to <clears throat> Unctuous is nabbed, and he's finally caught by Ted, uh, and we hear his story. Ah, it's a long story. I used to be like you, a completely average, bog standard, run of the mill cleric. <laughs> and then I won first prize in the County Westmeath Priest of the Year competition. <laughs> I guess it went to my head. After that, I started hitting the altar wine too hard. Going easy on people in confession. <laughs> Getting backhanders for doing quicker masses. <laughs> All I wanted was trophies and prizes. But the one that really got me hard was the Golden Cleric. No, 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 Todd. Uh, what I was going to ask you is, uh, you're a priest. I mean, why did you take the other priest's clothes? No, I don't know. It was just going that way. He got the first prize in the Westmeath West Priest of the Year, <laughs> County Westmeath Priest of the Year competition, and the fame went to his head. And obviously power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely, because we see when Dougal, uh, when Dougal gets a hold, of the <laughs> a hold of the cleric as well, he gets into a bit of a maniacal uh, laughing fit, doesn't he? <laughs> That's, this is the core message of the episode. I guess so, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Don't, don't win anything or 
Don't, don't let the power go to your head. <laughs> don't win anything. <laughs> don't be good at anything. Yeah. Yeah. Don't try. Can't, can't try. Can't win, don't try. That's it. And Dougal was wearing a lovely natty jumper this time, where he had a multicoloured check number. Checked number. Uh, it was like red with sort of yellowish mustardy green, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It was very, yeah, very visually interesting. Not not a Christmas jumper, which uh, it would have fitted into, but Christmas jumpers were a bit naff back then, whereas now they're, they're all the rage, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say they were cool now, but they're certainly all the rage. Yeah, but yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, no, well, they're cool, you know. The cool kids wear them. Hipsters wear them. Hipsters wear them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Dougal still can't uh, can't hang up a phone as we find out because he just throw, throws it onto <laughs> throws it onto a cop. Uh, it's a callback. Yeah, it is actually. Yeah. Uh, but uh, overall thoughts on the Christmas episode from what do you remember? Yeah, some really kind of classic moments. Obviously, the lingerie section, the biggest lingerie section in Ireland, I believe. Uh, yeah. And then Father Todd Todd Unctious coming into the room to show off his scars. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's uh, well. I, I felt I felt it was a bit overstretched. Now it may be. Uh, not over the top uh, no the the actual episode itself because it felt like there was three separate storylines almost in it mm. but um, I mean that's that's uh, I suppose that's to be expected from a feature length episode like uh, like the first ten minutes or so wasn't actually funny I didn't think I wonder if and maybe it was just leftovers like stuff that wasn't quite big enough to do a whole episode so they just kind of knocked I think the last the special of the IT crowd was that was just like bits and pieces that I think he was trying to write season three or four, four maybe, and then he just didn't have enough stories for a whole series, so he just kind of fumbled them on into one. Yeah. Well, I did say special. the second half of season two was sort of floundering a bit. Uh, a difficult second album. It's different. Well, the first half of season two was great, but they were sort of, they seemed to be running out of running out of steam, and getting a Christmas episode is an incredible amount of pressure. For a Christmas episode, because obviously that's that means you made it, and now you have to produce an hour's worth of Christmas-worthy tally. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, there was like the as I said, the lingerie was great. It was a great storyline. Anton mm-hmm. just was a great character, I thought, mm-hmm. uh, and the golden cleric and, and Ted's preach and everything. But I don't know. It's, it wasn't quite as laugh a minute as some of the best episodes were, uh, and some people love it more than like some people it's their favourite episode like uh, quite a few people who were asking where quite a few people were asking where was this episode in the top 5 countdown but it wasn't going to be in the top 5 contender because it was a feature length anyway but so it was exempt from yeah it, exactly according to my my rules which I make up <laughs> and I just like <laughs> yeah the official rules book yeah exactly yeah uh, but yeah so we, we are as I said we're compiling the popular vote for the uh, top 5 episodes and I will be repeating my top 5 episodes the important ones uh, on the wrap up episode which will be coming out in January uh, but thanks very much for coming along uh, Colin thank you for having me again yeah and Ash thanks for hosting us in your Sorry. recording studio uh, I'm James I make an SB on Twitter how can people find you Colin on Facebook uh, facebook.com slash Colin Hazard Poetry and on Twitter at Colin Hazard and that's H A. S-S-A-R-D Lovely and yourself well I mean you can follow me on Twitter if you like but you're, you're <laughs> not going to be getting much from it <laughs> what about uh, Facebook, 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 Facebook and YouTube yeah. uh, uh, yes and if you go to facebook.com slash ecumenical matters you'll find us uh, we've have, we do have six uh, five star reviews or five star ratings on the 
on iTunes. So if you can if you can add to that, it'll help us out a lot. Uh, but thank you very much for listening, and bless you. Hi there, it's James. This is recorded after the fact uh, to bring you up to speed on the comments of Johnny Enzyme on Reddit, who wanted uh, wanted to have a flight into terror on the on the short list of the best episodes, which didn't actually make it. But I felt he had made such such cogent arguments that I should really include them on the podcast here. Uh, so I asked him to justify why he thought it was one of the best episodes, and this is what he said. Flight into Terror had a refreshing new setting in the form of the airplane cabin. Many delightfully awkward interactions between various various of the priests, a rather all-star cast, a personal appearance by the show's co-creator, Graham Linehan, a great essay-writing sequence somehow won by the gibbering monkey of a priest, which everyone paradoxically praised, and the double wind-up of Ted clinging to the plane's wheel back at the parochial house, and Father Jack dangling from the trees, crying in rage not to be able to reach the drink cart dangling nearby. Just delicious. Not to mention, Dougal had a number of excellent bits with the panic button, the squeaky toy, and the life-saving roll of holy tape. Another awesome tweak on the Catholicism religion was the moment when Father Gallagher suggests they simply pray to God to help them, but the suggestion is met with contemptuous silence all round. Most episodes have a kind of rising and falling series of moments, but this was one of more of a steady firework display. It was also something of a fine tribute to the legendary airplane parody. Really, I'm not sure there was a more consistently hilarious, entertaining episode. So those are the words of Johnny Enzyme, uh, and I did feel that, uh, like I said, he did actually make quite a lot of arguments, and having said that, I wish I really had it nominated at the time, but we were, I was being strict with it, because, uh, like I said, I mean, if I was being a bit loose with it, I could have had, out of 24 episodes, I could have had 20 and, you know, vying for the top five, it would make it a bit of a pointless exercise, so I did shorten it to a list of 10, um, and as I said, all all that would happen is people would just complain about what wasn't there. But thanks very much for Johnny Enzyme for that, and uh, I hope you still manage to get down and vote for that, Johnny. All right, thanks very much. Bye.